Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. Welcome to Unleashed. Life without Super Bowl and football starts right now. Olivia Harlan Decker, Jerry Ferrara. We are back from Arizona where we had a pretty damn good time. Wouldn't you say, Jerry? It was awesome. Uh, I didn't want it to end because then you go back to the reality of also knowing that this is the last game of the season. And I want to crawl into a moment of darkness and retreat now on Sundays, though. Only Sundays (laughs) because I don't know what else to do with myself now that football's gone. You know, there's someone else who might join you in this darkness retreat. Literally, as those out there are listening to this, Aaron Rodgers is in some dark hole, which is really dismal. So, (laughs) Jerry, I heard he might film it. And as our resident like Hollywood guy, do you think that would be must-watch TV? First of all, for me, it would be. But doesn't that contradict everything you're doing? You're supposed to be in darkness with no phones and... (laughs) Like they're gonna have to put lights up and I to know. film it. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna be like those old cartoons when cartoon characters would close their eyes in the dark and then open them and you'd only see the eyes. Right. Like we're not gonna see anything. <laughs> so I don't think that's gonna happen. That's probably a rumor, but I would definitely watch it for sure. Well, the fact that he dangled it out there, I think he already probably has a deal with someone to film this. But I was thinking too, you, you and I both do a lot of on-camera work, and you know that red light is blinking there, even if they don't have a flash or whatever. Like if they have it in night vision. You know that red light and that camera is blinking and he's like probably mic'd up. I mean, the whole thing does seem to contradict the purpose. So I'm not, I'm not really buying I still it. wouldn't want to do that myself, even no. knowing that there's civilization with me and a camera and all that stuff. But uh, look, I would definitely watch it. But uh, I think it takes away from what he's trying to do. Maybe just recap it. Can't you just recap it on the podcast? And I'd listen to that. <laughs> just recap yeah, us what you went through. Too. He's only getting two meals a day. That's where... He lost me as well. Like, I, I want more struggle. than two have, meals a day. I have three snacks a day. Right. <laughs> Might I say, too, I'm very excited to talk to your dad. We've talked yes. about your dad this season 
because, you know, we got the whole Kevin Garnett story with the big ticket nickname yes. and all that, which was awesome. But also acting has always been my dream, but more of a dream I realized when I was like a teen. But my childhood dream was to do exactly what your father's done for his entire career. That was oh, my childhood you never said dream. That? Yes. Wow. Wow. You know, it's not too late. Uh, not too late. Uh, no, but uh, definitely a little late to chase new dreams that I probably would get paid four Maybe. cents for while I'm doing a local high school game, you know, kind of yeah. breaking myself in. So, uh, but yeah, I, I just broadcast and, and calling games and, and the stuff that he's done in his career. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. So I'm, I'm very excited yeah. to have him on. Well, like I mentioned, he just did the Super Bowl. I got to see him in Phoenix. That was really fun. You just missed him. If you had stayed a couple days later, we could have all hung out. But now, talk about a quick turnaround. He's doing the NBA All-Star Game this weekend on TNT. He is he is a, a renaissance man, really. He's so busy. But yeah, obviously, a lot to talk with him about the Super Bowl. I can't wait. And then he heads to Utah, so that'll be fun. You can talk to him about Team LeBron versus Team Giannis and the new draft format of the All-Star Game, which I think is pretty cool. MVP odds and what to look for in the second half of the NBA season, including the new look Suns with KD. We didn't really get to talk about this since, but what's your first reaction to some of the trades we saw? You know, it was so weird because, and you and I, we, we, we had the chance, we talked about it in the live show. We had the chance to play a little golf, right? I actually snuck yes. away while we were in Arizona to play another couple of holes with my buddy, John Jastrzemski. And I took the shuttle back from the golf course to the hotel. It was only a few miles. And the woman driving, we had, it was a, it's a 10-minute drive. We had a 10-minute yeah. Suns conversation, like in-depth oh. about, you know, she was going deep about what the Suns need to do. This is obviously before the trade. And then I end up leaving that night. And when I landed back in Ohio and I race home, my kids are already asleep. And I'm just in bed with my phone quiet. And then boom, the trade broke. Like as because I landed at midnight. Wow. And the trade yeah. broke at night. So and I was just thinking about that woman. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's <laughs> gotta be awake, freaking out that the Suns have KD. What a trade deadline. Just when I was saying, oh, maybe the NFL has caught up to all the off-season transactional yeah. stuff. No, the NBA did the <laughs> hold my beer. Cause that was a crazy trade de deadline. It really was. It felt like at any time, especially when you're in an airport and you walk by a TV, you know, and you're like, oh, whoa. <laughs> like, I felt like there kept being news. And talk about a weird week for news and other sports to come out because there was so much focus on the Super Bowl. But I think pretty well received. I think people are excited. Yeah. And look, I already was having these debates with friends in group chats when Kyrie got traded to Dallas. Like, look, I'm not trying to be a Kyrie apologist. Like, whatever. Whatever you think of Kyrie, everyone's entitled to their opinion. As a basketball player on the court, you have to respect what the guy could do. I just look at it like there's no way you could just absolve the Nets organization in all this, right? Like mm -hmm. there's just, all right, I get it. You could say Kyrie tanked the team and KD is so wishy-washy about where he wants to be and James Harden doesn't work out. Fine. Agreed. Yeah. There is no way the organization doesn't get some of the blame for having those three in, you know, they only played 13 games together. And not making it work. I'm with you. It's, yeah, there's a... There's something foul going on in Brooklyn, I think. Who's left through the smoke and the ashes? Ben Simmons. And a, look, and a lot of really good wings that are, you know, the Knicks finally beat the Nets for the first time in five years the other night, it feels like. Golly. And the Nets are fun when you see every player is like 6'8 and can shoot threes. It's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, there might be something there. Have you ever been to an All-Star game, NBA? No, and I almost really? went last year because it was in Cleveland. But of course, when it was in Cleveland yeah. last year, I had to go to L.A. I've just LA. never been. 
The only thing you I had never to pl- went in LA. It was, it well, was in LA a lot. The only thing I had the pleasure of doing, I did play in the celebrity game yeah. one year yes. in LA. So I was there for that part, but didn't go to any of the other festivities. It's such a tough thing for me because I enjoy it so much on television. Yeah. But I, yeah, I should have went when I was in LA. I should have took on. I should have took on more. No, I've never been to any of it. You you must have been to so much of it, right? Yeah. I mean, growing up, we went every year because forever my dad just did the Saturday night, which I kind of think is the better. It's awesome. Of course. To be honest. And now since Marv Albert has retired, my dad now does the Sunday night game. And I don't know which one he prefers. We can ask him. But I do know he got a kick out of doing the dunk contest. And the views on that, I think, are way higher than the All-Star game. How many... uh? Like, do you know off the top of your head when he started with the dunk contest? Gosh. Like, I'm we'll getting, was, was he at like the Vince Carter one? Did he call that one? I believe so, yeah. yeah. No, he had done it a long time. Yeah, so he saw some of the legendary, when the dunk contest was the dunk contest. Honestly, not yes. a bad time to get out if I'm your dad, because the dunk contest, yeah. I yeah. have ideas of how to fix it, but it's a little rough. It's a little rough. Definitely ask him his opinion on that, and you pitch him your idea. Maybe he can shoot that one up the ladder. No, I remember as a kid, we'd always go. And I have pictures of myself, like, r- awkward years, like, kind of gap tooth and bangs. And I have, I have horrible pictures of my evolution at various All-Star games. But we always got to, like, see celebrities because they're always courtside. And I texted my family and I said, everyone shoot me your best, like, All-Star game celebrity story because I'm trying to remember this for the podcast because I knew we were going to talk about it today. And some of the responses, I mean, I was laughing out loud. One was my, from my sister. She said, uh, when I was filling up the bucket of ice in the hotel with Tiger Woods. <laughs> oh, God. One was when I went to the bathroom with Brittany Murphy, rest in peace, oh, and gosh. sat next to Ashton Kutcher. Jack Nicholson, we always got to see. Um, what else? When oh, Charles Barkley told my sister's then fiance he was going to hire someone to kill him if he hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my other sister went in Chicago. I was sitting right behind the basket when Derek Rose broke his leg. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, Benny the Bull, Chicago's mascot, once picked up my sister, threw him over her over his shoulder, and ran around the court. And this is a very shy sister, so very mortified. <laughs> I'm, I mean, the All Star Game has always kind of been our family's like thing. And believe me, going to school that Monday, probably skipping Monday, going Tuesday. Um, we always had a lot of stories. So I, I love the NBA All-Star Game. It's nostalgic. Okay, before we tie a bow on the Super Bowl, and we, we're going to break it down a little bit, I've got to know your bets because we talked so much about it on the show last week. So what hit? What did you actually end up playing? Nothing hit for me. When I say nothing, absolutely oh, nothing hit. Because you had the Eagles. I told you. I had the Eagles tied to everything. Oh, I, I did hit the Oh, I'm sorry. I hit the over. Over. To, I mean, but that did not recoup enough of my losses. I did the Hassan Reddick bet. I just wish I would have known. They didn't have a single sack. I'm not saying I would have changed any of my bets, but the biggest information for a better that I think anyone could have gotten after Mahomes is like, all right, his ankle is superhuman, was the fact that it's going to be one of the worst grass surfaces ever played on in the history of the Super Bowls. That would have maybe influenced my bet a little bit because the Eagles, to me, are a motion-driven, misdirection kind of team. But uh, yeah, that stood out for me when I like Hassan Reddick said it was the worst field he's ever played on. Now, from the losing team, that's easy to say, of course. No, Chiefs players said it too. They said it was the worst field. But oddly enough, I remember the report like several Eagles were changing their cleats. No Chiefs changed their cleats, which um, which was 
surprising. Oh, do you have a conspiracy theory you want to air out? I d no conspiracy theory. I just I, that would have been very pertinent information. But no, I lost. Mm. I lost everything. But the big disappointment was I had my long shot lotto ticket parlay right with bunch of yeah. And I had the first leg of it was Ken Gainwell first touchdown of the game. Yeah. I had and he you know the elbow down yeah. on the inch line. I and was texting. I, we were texting during it. I right. Like, oh, I had okay. the Gainwell. I had the Tony touchdown. I had a Kelsey touchdown in there. It yeah. wouldn't have hit anyway because I think I still, the last leg was Dallas Goddard to score. Okay. But, oh my gosh, would I have been on pins and needles. It was like some ridiculous yeah. $50 to win like 14 grand. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I mean, for a long shot, you almost got it. Almost got it. Um, How did you do? I did really well. Yeah, well, you had the Chiefs everywhere, of oh, course. Oh, I did really. No, no, it gets better. I had Eagles up at halftime, Chiefs win. That was one. I had Chiefs money line. And the, the problematic part is I placed my bet when I was in Arizona knowing that I couldn't cash out, you know, once I got to London because <laughs> I left before the game. I left Saturday before the game Sunday. So I can't cash out until I get back in the States. Even though I placed it on the BetMGM app in Arizona, I can't do anything until I get back in the States, which is in over a month. I can't remember what my parlay was. Oh, you can't even look? You can't even log in No, you in can't look? look. I can't see it. It won't let me log in. I know two of them hit, though, and I did three legs, and I cannot remember the third leg. One was Kelsey anytime touchdown, and one was Hertz over 10 and a half rushing attempts. So both hit. Yeah. And I'm texting my brother-in-law, because I know I was showing him. I was all proud. I'm like, how do you like my parlay? And I'm texting him, do you remember what my third leg was? He doesn't remember. So... I'm telling you, when I touch down in the States, I'm firing up the app and yeah. I'm either going to be celebrating or not because I've, I, I'm worried I took the game under because I was talking about that all week. Remember, I was like, oh, the game under. Okay, you were talking under, but the over became such the popular bet. I yeah. don't know if you would have done that. but I don't know. I'm pretty stupid. Good on you <laughs> because the, that's the narrative of the game, which we did discuss even with Peter in the live show. Yes. Eagles first half was the bet. Really? You could take Eagles for the game. It's easy to say now, but the Eagles, you called Eagles first half, yeah. Mahomes and the Chiefs firing back in the second half, and that was, that was the story of the game. So I think what is so brilliant about Patrick Mahomes, despite the injury, he played less than nine minutes in the first half, and then in the second half, he scored on every second half possession, just one incompletion, which was a throwaway, and all in all, he had 38 points scored in 24 minutes on the field. 38 points in 24 minutes on the field. I mean, I was so concerned. I went to bed at halftime because it was 2 a.m. in London. I had just gotten back here and all that. We were tired. We watched Rihanna and called it a day. And I was like, man, this doesn't look good. Chiefs are going to lose. The Eagles look hot. Patrick Mahomes are keeping them off the field. And then I woke up and I, I roll over. My husband was up before me and I said, what happened? He said, Chiefs won. Chiefs won. <laughs> we were so excited. It's a weird way to watch a game, but... I think as everyone's so mad about the holding call, I think they need to be a little bit more realistic. As good as the Eagles looked, and you can certainly agree that those are the two best teams in the NFL, and it was a, a perfect matchup. That Hurts had a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. They had a their run game, which was vaunted. Everyone all season was all about their run game, was stymied. They had a huge special teams gaffe. And then the holding call, that's not why they lost the game. So I'm kind of sick no. of people saying that. And Sirianni, even to his credit, said that yes. too post game. He said, you know, so did Bradbury. You could talk, right. You could talk about that, but he's like, there's a lot of reasons why we didn't win this game. First half went according to plan. But yes, when you look at the mistakes, 
Eagles mistake. They had two, which led to touchdowns. The Chiefs really only had one mistake. It was a missed field goal, which we all knew was going to happen. Especially me. We all knew there was a doink uh, that was going to happen. So that was really the only Chiefs misfire. Both defenses did not look good right. at all. But the, right. the Eagles defense, bottom line, just did nothing. Zero. So when you talk about the reasons why the Chiefs, obviously Mahomes gets so much of the cred, but you have to talk about the Chiefs' offensive line. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid and the play calling because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, the Eagles didn't even have a chance to sack Mahomes. That ball was coming out so quick. In the, and the run game, they were able to run the game, and the Eagles couldn't run the ball and made two mistakes. Now, as far as the holding penalty, and respect to Bradbury, I know Bradbury's getting a lot of respect for owning it and not getting yeah. into like a Twitter battle, but... As far as the call itself, I've gotten into arguments with Bree about this ex- in, in the exact same way that the fans are with the refs, okay? Okay. For instance, Bree could say something to me, you know, you've been working a lot. You, you know what could really be helpful is if you maybe just, uh, can you cook more dinners? That would be really helpful for me. And, okay. So I go cook a great dinner, all this stuff. She was outside with the kids. And then she'll say, you know, you really shouldn't have cooked so long. It was a beautiful day outside. You should have came out. To, what I'm getting at is you can't say you got to call. You can't call that in the Super Bowl in that moment. But yeah. then when the Giants are playing the Commanders and what was a playoff game, there was a non-call. Yeah. And fans are saying, you can't. What, well, you're not going to call it because it's the end of the game? You can't have it both ways. I have no problems with the call. It just was a bummer that that's how the game ended. It just was I a bummer flat out. I love yeah. the analogy. I agree. And I think... What pisses me off is when people say, oh, come on, let them play. It's the final minutes of the Super Bowl. When you say let them play, that only favors one side. And I agree. It would have been great to see the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands one more time. I agree. It it felt like the divisional round game last year, Bills-Chiefs, that you would have loved to see Josh Allen with another chance. But it didn't end up that way. Coin toss, remember. But uh, I feel like when people are like, just let them play. It's the Super Bowl. Let them play. It's like, well, that's not the rule. That's and not the also, rule, and, and it's not situational refing. And, you know, Olsen, I think, made a great observation early in the first half where there was a few, I think there was one or two delay a game penalties yeah. on the Eagles where they did not opt to take the timeout. And Olsen astutely said, you know, clearly, like, the timeouts mean more mm-hmm. to Sirianni than the, the holding plays because they're able to move the ball fine. But there was another delay, there was another delay of game situation, and they had to call a timeout. And that was a timeout that they definitely could have used when the, basically when they were kneeling on the ball for the field goal. So, right. so many things cost them the game. And bottom line is the Chiefs from start to finish played a better game on both sides of the ball. And they deserve to win that game, call or no mm-hmm. call. So what do you think about this? Because now I've seen this come out is Bill Belichick. He would always, knowing what color jerseys his opponent was wearing, he'd have his receivers wear the same color gloves. Have you heard this? So the Chiefs were wearing white, Eagles were wearing black gloves, which just makes everything that much more noticeable. And I've seen it come out now that Bill Belichick always told his defenders, wear white gloves if your opponent's wearing a white jersey. And for the sake of you might, even if you get one call from it, or I guess they don't call you on one. But I I think that's pretty interesting and something that was overlooked. And if if Bill Belichick would do it, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy. I would do anything Bill Belichick would do, but yeah, (laughs) I was certainly disappointed. Like, wow, this is how the game's going to end. But yeah, I just, the Chiefs couldn't, where was Miles Sanders? 
<laughs> Seriously. Where was Miles Sanders? Where G- G- Gainwell? And you didn't you didn't have any bets on his over? I did. No, I did. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> where where was Miles Sanders? Yeah. Uh, you know, Gainwell. Fine. Yeah, a couple of passes here or there. Yeah. Almost a would be touchdown, but. The Eagles are a running team. Okay, last thing I think we could wrap up. Yeah. They're going to change this fourth and short quarterback sneak rule, right? Where you could rugby. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's, it's, it's also like It's 300 lame. pounders. It's fun. A, a quarterback's going to break his neck or break his back. Like, it's not going to end well. I don't know. That's a, it's just a dumb play. I get it. Stop it. If you can't stop it, it's a dumb play. One more thing that I think is worth mentioning is Jacksonville played the Eagles Recently, and there were a couple plays that the Chiefs seemed to have stolen from the Jaguars. Head coach mm-hmm. of the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, close, close friend to Andy Reid, fired by the Eagles. You got to think that at some point in the last two weeks, someone picked up the phone and said, yo, Andy, look at where the Eagles defense is going to fake you out here. And they took advantage on the same exact play. No proof. I have no proof. I'm just saying. No, you do have proof because didn't <laughs> didn't the the Eagles have Fangio working on a de- helping them with a defensive That's plan true. against the Chiefs when yes. he's not not affiliated with the team? Yes. That's enough proof for me to say everyone's talking yes. Super Bowl. Yes, like and a coach like Andy Reid who probably has a lot of friends, a lot of friends. No one dislikes Andy. Well, I think in general, great Super Bowl. We've got to talk about Rihanna a little bit because that is what everyone was talking about, and then. I didn't know this until this week, but did you know that the halftime performer isn't paid a single penny? The NFL doesn't pay them. In fact, sometimes they pay for their own theatrics, staging, lighting, backup dancers, all of it. They pay for it themselves because it ends up like multiplying in dividends, usually in merch or ticket sales or music sales or whatever. In fact, with Rihanna, you know, her little makeup touch up that drove Fenty Beauty sales up over 800 percent. And as if she didn't have a large enough following, she gained 1.5 million Instagram followers in 24 hours, 3 million overall. So I don't know how many she has, but she gained 3 million Instagram followers since her Super Bowl performance and her music sales have skyrocketed. And she also did a multi-million dollar deal with Apple, the sponsor of the halftime show, to document the whole process. So the money Rihanna made from this, what, 15 minutes is out of this world. I enjoyed the halftime show. Yeah. Bree and I watched it. Love Rihanna. Awesome. I just had one thought. I know everybody was freaking out. Is she pregnant? Is she what? Like, first of all, she'll tell us when she wants to tell us. Like, relax. But I did start thinking if she was pregnant and, you know, confer- it was confirmed later, I didn't love her floating on that stage. Yes. I was like, get her down. I was yes. nervous. I was nervous. I was nervous. That thing was wobbly. I was nervous. Now, you did see there was like almost a pole that she was attached to, and then one of the backup dancers did come in. So she was attached to something fixed on it, but still. Mm-hmm. I was still I, very I'm nervous. I didn't love it when she was, you know, 60 feet suspended in the air. I just, yeah. I just, I was, ner- I found myself nervous, but uh, it was fun. It was a fun show. It was a fun show. Agreed. It was the most watched <laughs> Super Bowl in six years with 113 million viewers. It was the third most watched TV show ever, obviously behind Entourage. And <laughs> which we will talk about later in the show because I have been watching. I have been watching. Okay, well, the Chiefs are already the favorite to win it all again next year at plus 600. Bengals right behind them at plus 850. Honestly, Bengals-Chiefs, I think, is going to be our big matchup and big rivalry for the next handful of years. And I'm really looking forward to it. And then the Bills. Look, it's AFC, the top three teams. Bills are plus 900. But speaking of the Chiefs, I think it's only right that we give the final word to Travis Kelsey 
He said no one believed in the Chiefs, and for sure no one on the Fox pregame show did. But I believed in the Chiefs, and I also believe you are getting our Audible of the Week. Man, one of y'all said the Chiefs were going to take it home this year. Not a single one. Feel that. Feel it. And on top of that, next time the Chiefs say something, put some respect on our name. All right. Obviously, the Kelsey story was so amazing. So it's nice to put a bow on that one and give the final word to Travis. But now it's time for us to have the final word. And that means it's time to unleash. It's time to unleash. So as someone who spent a lot of time on football sidelines, something I always look at pregame, especially in a wet game, a rainy game, snowy game, are the receiver's cleats. Usually that's who I pay the most attention to. And receiver's gloves, quarterback's cleats, everything. Because I always want to see if they're going to make a shift after they warm up. And as we mentioned earlier, a lot of the Eagles players did. Jalen Hurts switched his whole shoe at halftime. And if you don't know, the cleats on the shoe can be different lengths. So you can put in different length of cleat. But Jalen switched his whole shoe at halftime. And a lot of players saying it was a horrible field. You already mentioned that Hassan Reddick said it was the worst field he's ever played on. But look, the NFL paid $800,000 for this field. And it was like a Bermuda hybrid grass. It was supposed to be the creme de la creme. So apparently the NFL spent two years preparing this grass. It was like a Bermuda hybrid. It was grown locally in Phoenix to be perfect for Phoenix conditions at a local sod farm. It was installed two weeks before the game. And Jerry, every day for those two weeks, they rolled it out to get the proper amount of sunlight and then rolled it back. That's a process that takes an hour each way. And the man in charge of this field is a 94-year-old nicknamed the Sod Father, George Toma. Have you heard of this guy? I have. Well, now I have. Yeah, I did not, right. not before this game. <laughs> yes. Well, he's prepared the field for every single Super Bowl and several World Series, 37 Pro Bowls. He actually worked for the Chiefs for a long time. He worked for the Royals. So Kansas City guy, I believe he's from Kansas City. And the fact that All this money, all this time, all this effort. You have like the king of this subject put his handprints all over it. I cannot figure out why the field was so bad. In the slickness of it, in the changing of the cleats and everything we mentioned, and kickers kicking and sliding. AJ Brown had a big slip. Like it was really, really bad. And the fact that that is now a conversation after the NFL put like everything they could into the perfect field. This should have been like the Bentley of fields, and it was so bad. And apparently the NFL is going to donate it to a local high school. Um, I don't even know if they want it. <laughs> pass. I don't know if you'd want we'll it. Pass. <laughs> we'll pass. Uh, so uh, many things, Olivia, now on lead. That's an awesome unleashed. I keep coming back to the number 800 grand. Like yeah. that, to me, that sounds like an awful lot of money. But for the NFL... The field of the Super Bowl shouldn't that number be like eight million? <laughs> like, am I missing? Like I know eight hundred thousand dollars is more expensive. How do you get? How do you spend more money on grass? I just I, maybe you need more people to roll. Maybe you need to roll it out twice a day in I'd the sun. I don't know. I don't know. And also the other thing that stuck out in your amazing unleashed is all respect to the Pod Father. You don't do it for that long without being the goat. You're the goat. Everyone has a hiccup. Thirty-seven Pro Bowls. Yeah, we really we're investing that much money in the field on thirty-seven <laughs> Pro Bowls. Like that to me is a red flag. Yeah, and I think that high school's like, 
we're good. Yeah, we're, we have this yeah. cheap astroturf that the kids seem to like. We're going to s- stick with that. <laughs> we're good. So mine is going to stick more with the music of the Super Bowl. I am not a country guy. I'm just not. Uh-oh. Never listened to Uh-oh. it. If you asked me to name as many country music artists as I possibly could, I think mm-hmm. I could get to three. Total. You're about to piss a lot of people off. Yes and no. Sorry, no disrespect. I, I grew up in New York. It was hip hop. It was like certain rock and roll, but mainly hip hop and whatever. It's some classics. I didn't know who Chris Stapleton was. No. I'm sorry. Stop I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, and this is by no means a, a knock on Chris uh. Stapleton. This is a knock on me. I did not know who the man was. I do not keep tabs. Also, the kids have me so far behind on any current artists in general. But needless to say, I now have Chris Stapleton in my Spotify and he's on rotation. Mm. He's in a he's in a playlist now. And that goes back to your Rihanna point. He I don't think he got paid for that either. He probably got millions of dopes like me who maybe didn't weren't familiar with his music and now are. And he's brilliant. He's awesome. So Chris Stapleton, you got a new fan right here. Wow, one of many, I'm sure. No, that, in fact, was our highlight. Sam and I are huge Chris Stapleton fans. You know his song, Tennessee Whiskey? Never. I, Olivia, <laughs> I never heard it in my life. If Even I heard non-country it. non-country fans like that song. Come on. I, exactly. Great. But I, I'm not trying to. Listen, country fans, hardcore. I'm not trying to. Pay, I'm not saying your music's bad. I, it's, just, it's just not for me. All good. I respect it. I'm not going to walk into a bar if they're playing country music and be like, change this now. Yeah. I'll roll with it. I just, I'm not playing it on my own time. That's all. But Chris Stapleson, wow. Oh, his anthem. Oh, we've listened to it like five times. I loved his anthem. Great anthem. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest. He just called the Super Bowl on Sunday for Westwood One Radio. He's a two-time national sportscaster of the year and a 34-time father of the year, Kevin Harlan. I only say that because your oldest kid is 34. Not that she wants reminding, but you're an old pro at being a dad. So uh, look, besides seeing me and Wolfie, what was your highlight of Super Bowl weekend? Well, that was number one. Number two, you guys had the first two slots for sure. I uh... We had all of our kids down there, so that was fun. Liv and Jerry, it's so nice to be on with you, and, and I've enjoyed so many of these that I've watched over the weeks that uh, you two have got great chemistry, and it's it's really a privilege to be on with you today. It's always an honor to do the, the Super Bowl just because it's, the, uh, it's what everything in our NFL season leads up to. And to get a chance to do the final game and kind of put a bow on the season – was great. The game was spectacular for about 58 minutes. The last two dragged along with the penalty and kind of a uh, a field goal. And I, I went back and I was watching with my wife the kick. Usually when you take a lead in a Super Bowl with about eight seconds left in the game, there is total craziness on that sideline and on the field with congratulations all around. And But that was very subdued. I was kind of surprised, actually. I think they felt, the Chiefs, that even with a three-point lead and eight seconds left, that you could never exhale. And they didn't. You know, they, they held him at the end. And then they exploded. And then we saw the celebration. So we, I think we had the two best teams in football this past season uh, compete, the two number one seeds, 14-win teams. And so we had the game we wanted. We had the matchup that we certainly wanted. And I think we had the season we wanted, too. There were some terrific moments this past season. So all in all, 
I think, a very highly entertaining past season in the NFL. So you said that it wasn't like the biggest reaction when he kicked that field goal, but you call in the game. I mean, you know, it wasn't a hard field goal, but did it cross right. your mind? Because it crossed my mind as a fan. Like, no, he just missed one. And this is there no longer gimme. I don't think there's ever a give me with a kick anymore with what we've been witnessing this year. No, not at all. And a very good point. Yeah, he had missed, I think, a 45-yarder earlier in the game. And he had had a career-low season in terms of field goal made percentage and 75%. He did not have a great season. What was interesting about that, Jerry, is that he began the season, the team began the season against Arizona, beat him handily. But he slipped on the grass in that game and was out then for the next four weeks. And I think he'd be the first to tell you that he never really kind of regained his whatever it was that he left training camp with and entered the season with. And certainly carried over from previous seasons. He did not have a very good year and missed many extra points. Now, this was even shorter uh, than an extra point, the game winner, the 27-yarder. I don't think you take anything for granted in the Super Bowl. On top of that, two more things. He is usually a kickoff guy that goes 11 yards back, angles to the ball, and then kicks it. Because of that game, week one, he had shortened his run-up in every game to just five yards because he was afraid of slipping again. And in that game this past Sunday, there were many complaints by the players about poor field conditions. So you never know, right? In a field goal, extra point, you never know what's going to happen. And sure enough, it, it had to be the good plant, the good hold, the good snap, and certainly the kick through, which it was. And so they got the three-point win, and that was the key. That was the difference in the game. But at halftime, it was a 10-point game, and Philly was on top. And I worked with Kurt Warner, the Hall of Fame quarterback, and he said he and I had talked all, all week long leading to the game. We have the best first-half team in the league in Philadelphia, and it wasn't even close in the point differential. How good they were over the second-place Chiefs by like 50 or 60 points all cumulatively all season long. And then we had the best come-from-behind team in football, the Chiefs and their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. So we got exactly kind of as we saw it beforehand – and a thrilling end, nonetheless, three-point game and, and the crowning of a second Super Bowl for the Chiefs in the last four years. You had Mike Golick and Laura Oakman on the sideline for your Westwood One broadcast. What were they saying about the field? Because as we've talked about earlier in the show, it took two years to grow. It was an $800,000 field that was handled with the utmost care by the sod father himself. Yes, yeah. Now, you had that note, and uh, I used that during the broadcast. Somewhere along the line, I used the fact that George Toma, who is like 93, Libby, 94, 94 years old, 94, and is from, ironically enough, Kansas City. That's where he began in, uh, his career as, as a young groundskeeper for the old Kansas City Athletics. And before they were the Kansas City A's, who became the Oakland A's, who are soon to become, I guess, the Las Vegas Athletics, the <laughs> Las Vegas A's. Uh, aces, maybe, with, the, with the, being in Vegas. He had handled every single Super Bowl field preparation, all 57 of them, which to me is remarkable. Uh, They stuck with the same guy. So you're right, Olivia. He had, uh, under his auspices, under his watch, he was the guy that, that watched the growing of this field, the maintaining of this field, and everything else. Now, people said it was inside and the practicing of uh, Rihanna's halftime, different things that were going on during the week. But a lot of it, the, the, the tray was still outside a good portion of the week. 
So anyway, my, my point is, is that even with a guy that has done it 57 times, and I think they did try a new blend of grass and what the combination was, I think was in the story that, that Libby sent, it really met with a, with a thumbs down. So Oklahoma State has been at the forefront of developing a grass that is going to be universally used in the NFL eventually. Wow. Uh, I think the players want to get rid of artificial surfaces. Mm-hmm. Players don't want any more plastic grass, even though it may be more cushiony and have uh, more resilience to it. They would like to have players real grass and they've got a brand that they're kind of zeroing in on, but that was not used for the Super Bowl. So it's an ongoing story and it will be looked at. But for whatever reason, the grass was very slick in our sideline reporters, as Olivia mentioned, they brought this up during during the game and during pregame. We said guys were slipping, changing their cleats, getting longer cleats. Olivia's done countless games on the sidelines, so she is very adept at finding who the equipment people are, where they keep this this uh, group of of extra shoe pairs or extra cleats that they can literally screw in and screw out. It's it's a pretty significant process, but a part of the armor that these guys wear, uh, a tool they need during the game, and they all were switching their cleats. Jerry, are you going to start calling me Livy now? Because for those who don't know, that is me. I am Livy. That I feel like is reserved for your father. I would never. Uh, I would never try. No, I, I will. I will stick to Olivia. Uh, Jerry, that... you, you can please use. You can use it. If okay, if I have your father's it. blessing, Livy, then I will use it in uh, <laughs> in good health. We talked about this a few weeks ago when uh, Olivia did the sideline with the Jaguars game, and I kind of got her perspective of that. And you know, I'm a father now of two little kids, so I just. I just found myself since that moment wondering, like, that just has to be the coolest feeling in the world. Like, you're doing what you love, and then you got your daughter in the building doing what she like. It's just got to have been the most fulfilling thing as a parent. And we've done it before. We've done several games before, stretching back four or five years. So the experience wasn't new, but the feeling always feels new when you throw it down to her. It, it, it is a... Uh, it, it hasn't happened before in an NFL game on a national broadcast, so there is that singularity to it. But, you know, you almost go from, boy, I hope my daughter or son does the best they can, to we've got a seasoned pro on the sideline who has covered multiple big games, done a ton of national TV, does a show like this, which is seen all over the world, and is, is the consummate professional. So that part, while it may have been in the back of my mind back in 2016, I think when we did the Monday night game at Lambeau Field, the moment she opens her mouth and begins to talk and, and gives us great information, she's as good as anybody out there, in my opinion. And I, I have a pretty significant opinion on the business, and I've been in it so long and kind of knows what it takes uh, to be uh, what you need to be. And she has always been that. She has always answered the bell and continues to just amaze me with her preparation, her work ethic, her poise, just everything she does. Now she's a mom and a wife and living in another country. So, you know, these are things that just amaze me probably more than when she opens her mouth and and reports from the field is the fact that she can tie all these things together so seamlessly, which I think for the normal person seems like a an avalanche of worry and concern, and she just doesn't blink. And it's, it, that's so incredibly impressive to uh, her mom and me. We love all, we, we've got four kids. We're proud of all of them. 
But uh, clearly, when someone follows into your profession and does what she does, it resonates for sure. For Gary, sure. I know that wasn't in our show notes. You didn't have to go asking that. No, I wanted to know. <laughs> until I really found myself looking at my Jerry's th- a dad, my You're four a dad. and two year old. I'm like, yes. uh, well, I, d- I don't think I want you to be actors, but maybe yeah. we could figure, I, you know, something one day. Maybe we'll write a movie together or something. Because I just, I just thought yep. it was real, uh, real cool. We could get back to the yeah. regularly scheduled questions, though. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I just had to go there. I think I know the answer to this question, but I might be wrong. Because I loved your call when the Chiefs won. And we can insert it right here. Trailing at 10. At the halftime stop, 24-14. They go on to win 38-35. What a game. Spectacular in every way. And the red and gold confetti flying in the air. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Did you have something ready or was it just organic? Uh, No, it was organic. And uh, I mean, when you go back and listen, I wish I would have said a thousand different things. Um, You don't want it to be too long because, you know, it it would, you know, you you want to kind of get to the point and we want to get down to the sideline because they've got the players ready to interview. So you can't be that long, you know, and the game kind of ended oddly because the penalty was really now the focus. Uh, The field goal had won it, but there was this massive comeback, clearly. And so that deserved a mention. Jalen Hurts outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts had a much better day than Mahomes, but Mahomes won the game and came back and did what he had to do in the second half. So, you know, that kind of, uh, I, I thought about that, but I thought, like I said, I, I could go back and rewrite it, and but no, I, I didn't. I, and, and our executive producer, who's done 33 of these, wow. uh, you know, said, you know, Kurt, lay out at the end so that we can get this final call in so that they could use it 20 years from now and know exactly what happened. Come from behind, win, down by 10 at halftime to win Super Bowl 57. And then the other stories kind of, you know, trickle out from that statement. I guess I could have mentioned Mahomes, but really what he did in the game wasn't as impressive as Hurts. You could have picked a couple other people that may have been in that conversation for player of the game. Uh, Not that he has to be mentioned in the final call, but you don't know. And and I, I make notes on the flight uh, up here to Wisconsin after the game because everything's fresh in my mind about the call and how I prepared or what I need to do to tweak. And I do this after every game, but did this after that game and thought maybe it would be good to have two or three thoughts and then and then whatever thought without actually following the script makes sense, come out and say it. But I really wasn't thinking about Mahomes's performance in the comeback I thought of it as a team comeback as as the Chiefs came back as a team they scored defensively they got a special teams point that 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 won the game and so you kind of go down that road and there have been some times where I felt oh it's clear-cut Carmelo Anthony in Syracuse you know win the final four win the national championship there might be something dominant but in that particular moment I guess I just thought let's just get the the big wide let's widen the lens and so they came back from a half point, uh, a ten point deficit at halftime, and they were, they were able to win. You know, I think you would be the perfect person to ask this to because you know, knowing the Chiefs like you do, but also being in the stadiums and feeling the crowds and everything surrounding that. You know, I loved rivalries. I think rivalries are what keeps these sports going. Okay, I, I really do, and I've been a part. Like I'm a Yankee fan, so I've seen the Yankee Red Sox stuff. 
Knicks fan, Knicks '90s had some good rivalries. Now yes, just they rivals did. with themselves, pretty, and, and maybe they're organi- <laughs> their front office at times. Uh, <laughs> but to me, it feels like the best rivalry in football is Kansas City, and you could almost insert several teams, right? So if we're trying to find that team to go with the Chiefs, and maybe it could be an NFC, like you said, the Eagles. But who is the biggest rival now for the Chiefs? That's a great question. I, I would say if it's not Buffalo, it's Cincinnati. And if it's not the Bengals, it's the Bills. I, and, I, and I think they are all connected with these three young quarterbacks who are really dynamic and have got long futures, successful futures, and a lot of trophies ahead of all three of them. Mahomes has stepped out and kind of taken the lead in that. He's had the best overall team. People were predicting that Buffalo was going to be that team. And then they had some injuries, and for whatever reason, they couldn't really – capture, you know, whatever it was they had to, you know, it, it came down to the, they lost at home in the playoffs. And after beating, you know, Kansas City last year and 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 having a successful uh, game this year against them in the regular season, I think people just kind of thought the Bills are the team to watch and and that will be the team to to uh, really count on. People like new entrants to a story, so I think people were hoping, yeah, let's get the Bills we had the Bengals last year. Let, let, let's get some of these other teams in there and let's see if they can, you know, capture our imagination. But Mahomes and the Chiefs are showing that they're a very special outfit. You know, they are, he is an incredible quarterback, as tough as they come. And I think Burrow is the same way. And I, I definitely think that or Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert out with the Los Angeles Chargers, Josh Allen with the Bills, like these are the four quarterbacks you want to watch. And they're all going to be right there at the end, I think, of every season for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years. And that's going to build these rivalries as you talk about. So you could put the Chiefs in there against a lot of teams. In the NFC, I'd say Dak Prescott, but they've not really gotten near the finish line. And so that makes them, uh, you could say Jones with the Giants. I think you can insert Jalen Hurts. But listen, the Eagles just lost their their two coordinators uh, to head coaching jobs in the league. They have 18 free agents this year. It's going to be hard for them to be what they were this past season. and But Hertz clearly proved he now is in that conversation of great young quarterbacks. Will more emerge in the NFC? They may, and but Hertz right now probably is the head of the pack, maybe even ahead of Dak Prescott at Dallas, who everyone I think is kind of penciled in. Rodgers is 39. You can go right on down the list, but, but uh, Hertz showed a lot. He was second in the MVP, and he should have been. He was terrific. He was terrific. Speaking of NFC quarterbacks, I know you still have friends with the Packers and you're close to the situation and probably have your own opinion. What do you think would make sense for both sides, for Aaron and the Packers moving forward? Well, the Packers are a strong team and they've got a lot of great parts. They were just young at a, at a position where Rodgers is demanding a lot. I think his performance is still there. They've still got all pros on their offensive line. They've got emerging players on offense. They've got a great two-headed attack at, at running back. They've got playmakers on defense, a young secondary that has definitely arrived. If it were me, and of course it isn't, but I would like to think, let's do something unique. Let's finish with the team I started with. Mm. I've got, and let me commit to two years. Let me not just go into a dark room and drink some weird tea. And let me, let, let's not, let's not do that stuff. Let's commit and say, you know what? I, I, I still feel like I'm at the top of my game, which he does. He says that he feels that and I think he is. Let's give this two hard years and let's really just work on this. I think the Packers have then got to figure out, do we bring him back for two years, stunt the growth of this other kid we've got backing him up, who we think 
is going to be our, our replacement? Or do we stick with the guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, who has publicly come out and said, you've got my two-year guarantee right now, I'm coming back. And, and we can really plan it and plot it just like that. You may have to go all in on a on a free agent and overspend, you know, to appease me. But that that will be a part of our two-year window. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the romantic in me that thinks, boy, wouldn't it be great if he began with the Packers and ended with the Packers and maybe got to a second Super Bowl, which is to me mind-boggling that as great as his career has been, he's only been to one. Mm-hmm. Now if they trade him to whoever, let's say the Jets or whoever has been rumored, and there have been a lot of teams rumored, now he goes, let's say, to the Jets. He has to learn a new system, or they've got to get used to him. He's in a new market. I mean, like, I just I just see it being cumbersome and not, you know, what it needs to be for him. So I have no idea. You know, he's just come <laughs> out of this period where he's wanted this 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 time to himself, which we all respect, uh, and he makes, you know, known all these things. He, he shares a lot of information with the rest of the world, including this. So we'll have to see what happens. But I, I would love to see him stay. And mm-hmm. I guess that would be not only my hope, but my my best guess right now. Now, can I selfishly and try to smoothly transition us to basketball? Because as sure. much as I, I, look, I love the NFL, this has been an unbelievable season. And I guess the NFL is my number one sport, sure, because it's just you only get you know is 17 games. Well, it's You're only because you're a guy. It, I, I am an NBA guy, but I will even admit that, like, you know, by this point in the season, although I'm very excited about my Knicks, I'm laboring a little bit with some of the, I'm not watching as many games, but the all-star break and the all-star weekend is always like, okay, this is the moment we can all regroup our f- fandom and then we're going to come back. I mean, I've been on the wrong side of these second half of the season things with the Knicks, but I feel good this year. But what Kevin, I want to ask you is you've had, you know, the opportunity to do Saturday night and the Sunday game, which I think is just the cool, like the coolest thing ever. Like, I guess take me through it. If you had to choose, not if you had to choose, but what's it like doing Sunday night, Sunday game versus Saturday night? Cause I'm a Saturday night guy. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Saturday yeah. night guy. <laughs> well, I did the game last year and enjoyed it. But when you're watching the game, the hype for the game is, is definitely greater than the game. And you, you get a feel of that because they've had to, rig it so that there are little games within the games to get to a certain point. The game has had a hard time standing on its own. The players don't play defense. And it really is kind of like a an exaggerated practice where you've got a lot of spectacular shooting. You've got some dunks. But the thing that makes the dunks and the shooting so great is when there's a little competition there to challenge the shot or challenge the dunk. And that challenge just is not there. I mean, I sat courtside last year and watched in Cleveland when they celebrated the first 75 years of the league with the greatest name this league has ever put out. And then you go to the game and the game is kind of like, hmm, you know, because it really is. It's like a it's like a exaggerated practice, a glorified practice. The Saturday thing is interesting because it is all individual. And you were out there for the whole world to see your three-point shooting, your dunk abilities, your, your ability to maneuver around a, a obstacle course. And so it has kind of a uniqueness because the individual skills that perhaps that player possesses are right there on center stage. And I guess a player feels like, I don't want to embarrass myself, which I think has been a problem with the slam dunk. I think the players, the great ones, don't want to get in a slam dunk deal 
and screw up mm. because they want what is in people's minds that they're this incredible high flying, you know, trapeze artist, you know, throwing down the ball. Kobe was in it. We've had Michael Jordan in it. Uh, Dr. J has been in it, but LeBron has not. And some of the other, uh, Dominique Wilkins was in it, uh, the human highlight film. But a lot of these young kids refuse to be in it. I'd love to see John Morant in it, who I think yeah. would be unbelievable. He's not in it. So I, I'm kind of torn by the weekend. It's great to get the NBA family together. And because I've watched it for so long with a great seat courtside, I know what these guys can do. And I know they're very proud of what they can do. But for whatever reason, on that weekend, I think there's probably the concern. I don't want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And I totally get it. So the game kind of leaves you thinking, I mean, they're scoring, what, 160 points. But they're, I, they had to juice the game in the fourth quarter to make it competitive so that we, you know, think. But for the first three quarters, it really is just kind of a, it's, it's, it's a glorified practice. And so I'm back to doing Saturdays and we'll enjoy it. I enjoy what these guys can do every once in a while. And we saw it last year with Steph Curry in the, in the game. You'll get a, like what do you get? 16 threes or some ridiculous number like that. And you're thinking, Oh my God, this kid is like just unbelievable. He's not going to play this year. And, and some other big names aren't going to, Zion's not going to play this year. I'd love to see Zion Williamson in a slam dunk contest. Yeah. I think it'd be remarkable. But we don't get it. And that's it kind of leaves fans thinking, yeah. But the the buildup for it is like this <laughs> the voting and the mind and the advertisement, you would think like, holy smokes, like this is gonna be like just mind blowing. And it usually ends up just, you know, make it one player or but it's not the kind of competition. You should hear the old players talk about it, the guys that yeah. used to play in this game. Wow. They're probably pissed, I, I, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They're that and everything else. Worse. They, 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 <laughs> They'll use the word kind of a disgrace. They'll they'll say these things mm -hmm. that that just should not be associated with the NBA. It's it's a great game with incredible players. That's why everybody loves the playoffs because they mean so much. The playoffs mean so much, and reputations are carved in the playoffs. Reputations are not carved on All Star Weekend. Reputations are carved in the playoffs, and then you see things that you've been waiting all season to see. You know, and that is worth the price of admission for sure. There's nothing like playoff basketball. It's so much fun oh. to be courtside for those. Of the all-star games that you have called, what is your favorite slam dunk contest winner or just dunk in general that's been in the contest? Because there have been some fun ones. Robinson, Nate Robinson, who is just a little guy, has done some big, big-time things. He's he, he won a couple years, three, maybe three years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. I know two. Um, this stuff kind of gets fuzzy because it's mm -hmm. all, you know, just exhibition. It's not, you know, much better on playoff questions and regular season questions, stuff that, that matters. But, but Nate Robinson, as small as he was to, to leap that high, you know, a man that small should not fly that high. And he did <laughs> and has, and he was fun to watch. You know, what really stands out quite honestly about the, that's interesting, Livy, that you bring that up is are the guys that don't make the shot. And they try it like 13, yeah. 14, 15 That's the word. Times. That's the toughest part. Brutal. Jerry, is, is that not just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it, you're anxious. You're, you feel like you want to look away. Like, Awkward. It's like you, you can see a crash coming, right? And you think, oh my gosh, I got to look away here. I can't watch anymore. And then you've got, like I'm with Charles and Draymond Green is going to join us this year. Reggie nice. Miller and the, and the trash talk. 
that these guys give <laughs> these players. They can't get this dunk to go down because they're trying to do, you know, 15 whirls and a spin and then, you know, knock it off their head. And, you know, we've had kids, I mean, that, they do all this stuff. Costumes. And it really, it's, yes, costumes and stickers on the backboard. And I mean, it is, it is amazing what they come up with. But this is the stuff, like at practice, they're screwing around, dreaming up. And, and they come up with all this, all this. So the ingenuity is great. The diagram says go from A to B and B to C and C to D. It's like, wow, if you can pull this off, uh, it'll be marvelous. But uh, a lot of times they have trouble pulling it off because you've got, you know, millions of people watching a full building and and the biggest name players sitting courtside right, right. there, right in front of you. Yeah, right there. Uh, and Lydia, other celebrities. So yes, yes. No, no, it's, it's right there. It's, I have two pitches for the dunk contest that I think they yeah. have. Just <laughs> yeah. fan perspective. One, I totally appreciate... Like you said, John Morant doesn't want to be out there missing 10 dunks. That could really hurt everything he's got going off the court, and no one wants to get hurt. There are some amazing, almost professional dunkers, guys who are on Instagram and social media who are <laughs> dunking 150 times a day, practicing these crazy dunks that are not in an NBA season. I think you still opened it up to any young player like a Jericho Sims. You want great. And then you bring in four dunkers, guys who have just been dunking forever. And I think you got to bring back the 0.5 in the scoring system. Cause yeah. now I don't know what a 50 is anymore. Cause some the fifties are just thrown around so easily. I think if we bring back the 0.5, we could get the 49 and a half. And I think that'll help. That's my pitch to uh, revamp. If I worked for the NBA to revamp the dunk contest. I'd love that. In fact, what they should do is take these YouTubers and put them on the screen so we can all see what they've done and and get us lathered up right for for what for what these pros could do the problem is those pros could could never do that right. because right. they haven't practiced they have not practiced and they don't want to be embarrassed right. that's one of the big that's one of the big things they do not want to be embarrassed and i get it you know what i yeah. i i I, re, I respect that and they say the only thing that gets me going is is competition and in the heat of a game where i don't think about what i'm going to do it just comes like Olivia uses organically. It just happens because it happens and I'm in that frame of mind and that's when it means something and is pure and not uh, orchestrated, not pre-thought, not uh, planned. And I get all that. That that is That has a lot of validity to it. But if, if we had something that had the 0.5 like you talk about, it would make the voting a little bit different because every dunk is not a 10. I mean, it just isn't. It just is not. But the guys that are grading feel like, well, it's not a nine, but boy, that was good. Best I saw tonight, so I'll put up a right. placard that says ten, right? So, so Jerry, your thought is is well is is well taken. I I think that that would be a great addition. So great addition. I know you were a little busy this week, but there is a huge <laughs> trade. Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun, and they instantly become a top contender. What were your initial thoughts on this trade when you first saw it, and then as it simmered a little bit? Well, I've always thought that Phoenix was a young team that could be good for a long time with the core that they had, minus Chris Paul, who's 36, 37 years old, who was on the clock and his window is closing. But as long as he was around and still a voice in the locker room and a leader on the floor, uh, they were going to be an interesting. And they'll put another guard in there some other day. But the core would be together, right? They had Cam Johnson. They had Mikel Bridges, who's a phenomenal young player. And that was part of their big foundation with Devin uh, Booker and uh, Aiton, who's in the middle. But boy, they went all in with draft choices, young core foundational pieces, and got 
got Durant, and they just had the team sell, and the new owner came in there, and I guess he wanted to make a splash, and he certainly did for an often injured superstar who was in his mid-30s, but was having an MVP-type season when he was injured and made the Nets, you know, really, really good. So that's one of those things you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I sacrificing the future for the present? And clearly they are. So it is kind of what it is. And then we had Kyrie go to Dallas and the Mavericks, and they traded some wonderful pieces around Doncic that made that team a Western Conference final team a season ago. But you need two superstars on a team to win a title. And that was the thinking in Phoenix because they could couple Durant with Booker, who was first-team All-NBA last season and a four-time All-Star. And, oh, by the way, we've got Chris Paul, you know, at the controls at the steering wheel. And then for Kyrie, a superstar, and as talented guard as this league has ever seen, it's just been up here, which has been a little bit like uh, a little off-kilter, clearly, as we've seen with his history. You pair him with Doncic, now you've got two superstars there, too. So you need a Robin for a Batman. You need you need two superstars, at the least, to make a run. And that's kind of what um, what those teams thought they had to do. So I love it when teams do this because it gets the league talking. Mm-hmm. There'll be fascinating studies to see. And my guess is, for a half season, that it will be successful. The long term will be sacrificed, but for a half season... Mm. This is going to be fascinating to watch. I agree with you on the playoff part of it, too. That's why I was such a big... And maybe it's also, too, because I know the Knicks were never going to qualify for regular playoffs for a while. I'm such a fan of the play-in. And like when we talk about the West, and I was just looking, we could potentially... I mean, there's going to be a lot of movement, but the play-in, as of right now in the West, goes New Orleans, and hopefully they get Zion back, Minnesota, Golden State... And then we have Utah hanging on for dear life. I don't imagine that they stick there with the late, like if the Lakers sneak in, like a, a Pelicans, Warriors, Timberwolves, Lakers play in, that's going to be as good as any first round kind of thing going on. I, I just love the play in. I was wondering your thoughts on the play in. You are so right. It, it is, it's almost like sudden death. And in some circumstances, in that mix, right. it is. So you've got a shortened window, you've got, incredible, incredible urgency to win and win now. And you cannot say, well, we'll make it a five or a seven game series. That does not happen in this situation. So it is either sudden death or maybe you fall after a loss and you can get another chance. But man, you are on the clock. And that is the way people love it. When you are fighting for your life, you see incredible basketball. Now, with D'Angelo Russell joining the Lakers, a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, that is a team I would not want to face. I think they would be an incredible out. And I think all they're thinking right now is let's creep back in and then we will will accelerate. I mean, they're trying. I mean, they're trying to win. They want to better their position, but they got to get in that little grouping there of that play-in as you're talking about. So we need to really, you're so right, Jerry, we need to look at the conference leaders as the top six, the, the certain six. And when, when we're talking, here are the teams as of the day that are in, Here are the teams that are on the bubble or in the playoff. And it will resemble, I think, the best thing the NBA has done with this is it resembles the NCAA tournament, which is right around the corner. And people love it for that reason alone. You're playing till the death. You're playing to the last second. There is no tomorrow. If we don't win, we are gone. That's what makes that tournament 
so great, both in the NBA and in the NCAA, the college tournament. And, you know, you can't ask as a fan or a broadcaster or, or anybody more than a chance to, to lay it all on the line for one game. And that's what we get with those two scenarios. Jerry, doesn't that remind you of the pump-up speech I give you before we record every podcast? <laughs> there is no tomorrow. This is it. That away, livers. That away, baby. You I just, think we're a top six seed, though, Olivia. Yeah. I think we're a top For six sure. seed. You definitely are a top six seed. That's exactly. <laughs> sure. You don't have to worry about playing in at all. I got to ask you one question in the East, too, because the other night, Boston, without their all-stars, nearly beat the Bucks, took them to overtime. Who do you see coming out of the East when you think about those two teams especially? Well, what I'm looking, I, I get to do the East Finals, so that I cannot wait. Yes. I cannot wait. I think any of these teams, I don't know what's going to happen to Brooklyn now. They've re- reconstituted their team, but they're still strong. They're a solid team. Knicks, I, I saw them the other night, the Knicks, and they played the Nets. I'm a big Thibodeau fan anyway, their coach. I love Julius. He, Randall works as hard as any player, and he knows he's got to, right? He knows. He's got this team on his shoulder, but I love some of the kids on their team. And so I'm watching them with interest. But the the usual suspects here, right? Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami is so well coached. You've got to include them. The Nets, the Knicks. I know we're going to have some other teams creep in there, but I guess my, my view is on that grouping right now. Milwaukee made a great move. We we're talking about trades and, and the moves before the deadline. They got Jay Crowder. They needed a, a defensive wing and they needed a guy that could shoot the three. And they got the added bonus of a guy who's been in big playoff games, played in some recent finals. He knows the world that that is, and he just strengthens their bench evermore. And when Bobby Portis comes back, I don't think Portis played the other night. I don't think he's back yet. When Porter and he was, he's been out for like two or three weeks. I don't think he's back. So when Portis is back, now they've got their bench, which is going to be just like hold on to your hats. It's going to be phenomenal. I like. And Middleton has come back. Middleton has missed two big sections. He missed twenty games early on, then eighteen games. He had a thumb injury, had knee soreness. Now he's back. They're working him back in slowly. They got to watch his minutes. Man, is he? He's an all star. He's an all star caliber player. And you put them with Giannis, who's. I still think the single best, most exciting player in the league to do what he's doing at his size is he dribbles like a guard. He moves like a forward. He shoots like a marksman outside from three. He's developed that part of his game. And then he moves like when he goes through a lane, he gives you eight. He moves like every joint in his body, right? He's like, he's just like, he's like a plastic man. He's like, he's like so angular and he's like doing all this stuff. Like, like, I, I don't, I, I, I can't process him. So uh, the East is going to be dynamite. Mm-hmm. And the West will be good if Kyrie and Durant stay healthy. But that is the big if, if they can stay healthy. And if LeBron and AD can stay healthy. So there's a lot of unknown in the West, but the East seems to be intact. And it's going to be a fight to the finish. It's going to be marvelous. Yeah, the things your brain holds on to and you remember everything it's no wonder why at the dinner table sometimes you have no idea what we're talking about <laughs> your brain is holding so much information from sports oh, uh, but man. you guys are too though i know exactly what you do, do you two do to prepare so uh, now that football is over yeah. and you're you're so immersed in football this nba well first way the, the ncaa tournament I mean, right. we got to get through that before we can get to the playoffs which I know so, you're looking um, forward to. You, you oh, love doing those games. I, I, I've done 25 years of those, and I love the tournament in every way. That first day when those 
eight teams come out to practice and it is a long day. And it is, it is a, it's that first day that we broadcast, we do oh. eight teams and four games all in one 12 hour period. It's, uh, you know, physically it's hard. Mentally it's, it's excruciating. And you're just trying to get the names of the teams, right. And the <laughs> names of the kids, right. Because you see so much, but fans, those kids to get there, that could be the last college game they ever play in. And so, like I was saying before, they play with such gusto and, and it means so much. And that's, that is just a blast to be a part of. For a lot of them, it's the last time they play organized basketball. It's sure is. It, it sure lot. is. Now, your husband played in two Final Fours. That just does not happen. Yeah. That just does not happen. So when you play in the tournament, it's like a life-altering experience. If you can make it with a couple wins and become, you know, a story, that is something that in your wildest imagination you can't process. And then if you're lucky to make it through all of that, including the regular season, and your conference's tournament thing, now you've made it to a Final Four or an Elite Eight, you think, boy, have I been blessed more than I deserve. And I, I look at the faces of those kids, and that's how they feel. They feel like, I am living a dream that hundreds of thousands of kids over all these years and all these leagues and all these games and teams and from high school, just think their parents took them from from when they're just little guys and gals, you know, at five and six years old to practice and all the times they shot baskets in their backyard, you know, on their on their own driveway and and then for them to make it there, that almost because the NBA is so nebulous and so like unrealistic to make it into that tournament and to work your way through the tournament, that really is the dream of all college of all all kids who play basketball is can I make it into that tournament and be a some you know part of something that is so much bigger than me and something that just funnels all my hopes and dreams into one three-week area. And and that is so fun to be a part of, to watch that. Well, I can't wait to hear you Saturday night. I'm going to give you a little prediction. It's a homer yep. pick. Do, do, Just, do it, do it. My guy, Jericho Sims. You like him. You like I've Jericho. watched every I Knicks game. There's times <laughs> where he, he looks like he could take a coin off the top of the backboard. So I know the big guys don't always Fire. fare well. But just I, I'm just calling it now. Keep a good eye on my man Jericho Sims. That may come out in our broadcast. As a matter of fact, they may that may that may slip out there a little bit. That'll be a shameless plug, and 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 and, uh, and, and bring you out into the uh, into the national consciousness on that Saturday night platform. I'll, I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah, if you can plug, you know, this week I was on the BetMGM Unleashed podcast. <laughs> they have two amazing hosts. That'd be. That'd be good. But last time, Jerry, you don't know this. Last time I said to dad, oh, you should slip this in the broadcast, a regular season game. He said B-E-T-M-G-M. <laughs> spelled out the whole thing. <laughs> so I think now he's got it. Dad, we have taken up too much of your time. And I know my mother is probably wanting you back to join her for lunch or something. So thank you so much. As you've seen, it's gotten dark here in London since we've been on. It has. It is amazing. I feel like we're family, Jerry, because we see you and Olivia every week with this great show. And uh, to hear her talk about you and how much she's enjoyed being with you and, and co-hosting this and being a pro with you is very gratifying for a father. So I enjoy you both very much. And uh, I'll be watching and I'll be listening and enjoying. We are about to dig into Entourage. So, Jerry, I'm season seven, episode two. 
And what I've seen so far is your business has taken off, which has been really fun to see all the cars with turtle on the license plate. I'm curious, do you have any of those license plates? And have you ever put one of them on your own car? Great question and also great idea. I don't have one. I wish I did. And I'm known for taking things from the set that I think will just, hey, like like <laughs> I have, like years ago, I wore a Giants jersey on the show that said Turtle on the back. I have that jersey. I took a lot of the jersey. I have like the Kevin Garnett McDonald's All-American jersey that I wore. Wow. But no, that would have been a great light. That would have been great to take. What a great idea. No, I didn't do it like an idiot. I should have. You know, you still can just next time you register a car. It's just not the same. Like to know <laughs> that that's where that came from. You know, it would have been yeah. great if it was like the actual from the set. I like stuff like that. So if you did do it, though, would you not like being recognized that much? Because I'm sure people know now that like you live in Cleveland and they'd see you driving. I definitely wouldn't put it on my car. I would okay. probably like frame it and hang it somewhere back there in the office oh, yeah. wall of fame. I don't or give it to my mom, who's literally the biggest collector of entourage. Aww. merchandise you've ever seen i don't know why she buys it i tell her mom i can get you some of that stuff for free she still buys it you go you walk in the house <laughs> on you ebay. ask for you ask for a cup of coffee you're getting served with an entourage coffee mug Aww. you you want a, a shot of tequila you're getting an entourage shot glass nice. coming at you nice we've never learned we do know your real name is sal salvatore right we don't know why turtle like what is the reason for the nickname I could honestly say it has never been answered. I've asked Doug Allen numerous times. He said, I have no idea. Just thought it was a funny nickname. Oh my so God. I don't have a great answer for that. There is a great answer for why the character's name is Sal, if you okay. want that. So years ago, one of my best childhood friends, unfortunately passed away when he was about mm. 22 years old. Okay. Oh. And in my mind, when I was even auditioning for Turtle, not that my friend was exactly like Turtle, but there's definitely more things I pulled. Like I, I was playing a version of that, like fun-loving wow. guy, loved to party, just like he was that guy a little bit. I told Doug maybe like in season three as a joke, you know, if Turtle ever gets a real name, I'd love it to be after my friend Sal. That's who I'm playing. Doug said, yeah, yeah, sure. We'll figure it out when we get there. Never discussed it again. When I got that script with Jamie Lynn, where mm. I tell her my name, I had no idea it was coming. So I was reading the script. I get to that part and I froze and I dropped the script and I was like, cr like crippled for a second because I couldn't believe he did that as a gesture. And to this day, my friend's family, like anytime, like the character's name is Sal Asante, which is my friend's name. It's in like the television hall of fame in a way. So it's the coolest thing that anyone's ever done for me. Wow. Okay. That's heavy. Did you tear up when you actually went to film it? Oh, I was so, I was like shaking that day. And I even, uh, you're going to get to an episode or maybe it is the episode is the turtle character's credit card canceled yet. It's not a yes, big spoiler. It's happening right now. <laughs> so I have that credit card. I don't know if it's in my wallet, but I have, it says, it's a fake credit card that says Salvatore Asante on it. And you so keep I have, it in your wallet? I kept it. I usually keep it in my wallet. Oh. Yes. So. Oh my God. Okay. That's going to make me cry, Jerry. <laughs> it's too early. That's a, that's an amazing story. Okay, I'm loving Entourage. We are having fun with it. Season seven. I'm liking so far. You've kind of given me a no, warning. No, the warning still stands. You haven't okay. gotten there yet. The warning still stands. More to come next. The Lions. Okay, you two both have beef with Miles Sanders, and he really kept you both from winning some money. So I hope you don't run into him in the streets somewhere. But Pete, walk us through what you lost with Miles Sanders not scoring a touchdown. 
Yeah, so we had a great day in terms of picks, and we'll get to those in a second. But I had a 75 to one shot, one game parlay <laughs> that would have net out a couple grand on a $50 bet. And Miles Sanders, anytime touchdown was the only thing that missed. So I had Kelsey anytime, Hurts anytime, a bunch of different overs. I had Chiefs money line in there. Miles Sanders, the one guy who let me down. And I think he let the world down because he had a super poor performance. Could have been a Miles Sanders anything, anything, anytime bet. Like, <laughs> give us anything at any time. Give us anything. Like, a two yards maybe would have been great. Your prop pick was over 13 and a half longest rush attempt, and he didn't even come close to that. I think he had a six-yard run, and that was it. Yeah, Jerry, what was your other prop pick? Oh, it was Bucker under one and a half field goal attempts, and he only yeah. had one, which was the game winner, and he missed. He doinked that other one. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, Sanders just didn't show up. It was tough. Overall, you, you did all right at the Super Bowl, yes? Yeah. I mean, first of all, great week with you guys, right? We got a little yes. golf in. We, we had a great dinner. You got to meet some of the Bet MGM team. But as for the picks, did pretty well. So gain well over 19 and a half rushing yards. Pacheco rushing, receiving over 69 and a half. Yeah. I don't think he even had reception yards. I think he just didn't did it all it. rushing. Didn't, didn't need it. Had a great game. Devontae Smith over 23 and a half longest reception hit. Mm-hmm. I actually was stuck at 23 for a while. And I was nervous. And then he had that 45-yarder <laughs> that he broke away. I gave the little pick at the end, too, of over 61 and a half receiving yards. That number had weirdly gone down. He hit that by 40, 50 yards. The only thing we lost was, um, well, uh, not the Reddick flyer that we took, but Kelsey over six and a half receptions. I think yeah. he ended with six. Uh. But they didn't need him. I mean, they he obviously had a couple big plays, but... Everybody else was working. The refs were working it for him too. And they, they were using pretty much every weapon. So, uh, can I ask you roughly, you know, how did the book, how did the book do? Like, roughly, uh, like so, good, bad, like dead neutral. So, okay. All right. Great. Yeah. It was a, so uh, let me break it down. So, I think the result was good for us mm-hmm. in terms of the Eagles losing. Right. But when, but when every prop hit, so, I mean, almost every single anytime touchdown score or hit yeah. that someone would get, probably besides Miles Sanders, that obviously hurts us because then you start to factor in all those one-game parlays that people had. So anybody mm-hmm. had a Chiefs and Kelsey touchdown and the next thing, um, that's what balanced the book out. But um, but overall, it was a very neutral right. day. Had the Eagles great won, work. it probably would have been not so great. <laughs> exactly. All so right. this was the, I think this was the result we wanted. Gives, uh, gives all of our customers a couple bucks going into the week. So it's a good thing. And yeah, now we pivot to, to NBA and NHL and March Madness and next year's Super Bowl and golf. Golf. Hell Don't yeah. forget golf. We got golf. Yeah. Real quick with the promo that you were telling us about last week, the prop bet challenge. What was the takeaway from that? I mean, not that anyone's counting, but both of mine hit. So <laughs> you were the only one where both of your props hit, I think. Woo! I'm telling you, I was we, on fire. She's feeling we had. Jerry went 50%, Olivia went 100%, guys like Kevin Garnett, I think, went 0%. So <laughs> we had a really great turnout. We have two amazing winners, one in Ohio and one in Ontario. So they're being contacted today, which is amazing. It's they me. both are $100,000 richer, which is- It's me. Wow. It's, awesome. not it's not Jerry. It's not Jerry. Um, it is confirmed, not Jerry. No insider trading here. <laughs> but we're thrilled. Thrilled. And we had a great turnout, a lot of adoption. So it was great to see and great to have- Two customers, $100,000 richer. Awesome. I know uh, the lines aren't out for the All-Star Game this weekend in the NBA, but what are some things that are fun that people can bet on once they do come out? Take the over. 
Just take yeah. the over. <laughs> it's like the Pro over Bowl and All Star Game. Take yeah. the over. Yeah. Obviously, you got all the um, the three point contests, the slam dunk contests. So I think that's where most of the fun will lie. The game is depends how you look at it. I mean, it's a pretty non appealing game for three quarters, and I think everybody turns it up a notch coming into the fourth. But when in doubt, I think just always take the over. The defense lacks year and year, you know, year and year and just continues to to drop. So I think safe bet is just take the over there. So do you start looking at NFL next season now? I know I have a lot of friends who their work for next season starts like right at the the buzzer of the game. So have you given that a look and are you bringing anything for us today with that? Yeah, yeah. So I think it starts a little bit day after Super Bowl, and then probably the next iteration of it is after the draft when you actually start to see teams form a little bit more. For me, it's great value right now. So you look at teams that either have a great team that have been priced weirdly, maybe they have a great team, they're missing a piece, and the anticipation this year is that they will get that piece. So if I start with the Jets, 25 to 1, they have a pretty good team. They obviously have offensive and defensive rookies of the year in Sauce Gardner and uh, Garrett Wilson. So they have weapons. Robert Sala's defense can ball. They're missing a quarterback. I think all the rumors around the world are, is it Derek Carr? Is it Aaron Rodgers? They're going to get someone. They also have, the I think, the 10th or 13th overall pick this year. So they have a fairly high pick in the draft. So you start putting all that together, 25 to 1, then you get Aaron Rodgers drops to 15 or 12 to 1, something like that. I'm still, yeah, I, I, I saw that. And it definitely was puzzling at first, but you just broke it down elegantly because I do think that, yeah, they're the quarterback away, but we're still talking about a very experienced head coach, a very young team, yep. you know, maybe if it's Rodgers, I get, you think it drops that low if it's Rodgers, they get hit, gets like 12 or 15 to one. Like what if it's, if it's Derek Carr, I think you could yeah, put it at 40 I, to one if it's Derek Carr. Yeah. It might go the other way if it's certain quarterbacks. Right. But I think to your point, this is still the Jets. It's still an inexperienced coach. I think it's pure value. Right. So you just have to look at it in that sense that you're getting something that will eventually change value in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I just refuse to put money on the Jets okay. to win the Super Bowl as a Giants fan. I just refuse. Okay, what else? What else is sticking so out? So one of these three you'll love. So Jets, 25 to 1. Dolphins, 30 to 1. Another intriguing one. Hmm. They have a very, very well-built out team, especially on the offensive side. I think there's just a lot of question marks around Tua. His health, where does he go? Does he stay committed to football with all the injuries, the scary injuries he had? Again, a team that if they decide to roll the dice and make a big splash from, from a quarterback point of view, they're probably a favorite in the, uh, in the AFC. What splash could that be? I'm thinking of that. I, I'm with you on that because their, their roster on both sides of the ball is really, really strong. And it re like if it's a healthy Tua and we know we're, you know, then yes, I think that that's a 30 to one. I think you'd be a fool not to sprinkle yeah. a little bit. But in the event that it's not Tua, you know, I, I don't know. We've never heard anything about Rodgers to Miami, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jimmy G? Like, what? who's the... Yeah. yeah? I think... You have to consider the money. Obviously, they're paying Tariq Hill, what, $30 million a year. So sure. their budget their budget is not the same as the Jets or someone else. Brady, as an example, would have been a great option, right. I think. He's right. not a low value. He doesn't retire. He comes in playing with Tariq Hill, playing with lots of weapons. But to your point, he well, he's not there. It's, it's probably a guy like Jimmy G. It's probably someone that can run an offense. I hope um, it's Tua. I really do. I hope it's Tua. I, I feel, 
safely. I feel for the guy. Yeah. I feel for the guy. I just, yeah. I think there's probably a lot of concerns in Miami and you probably need to be at least bring in a backup. Yeah. Because obviously as they went down the depth chart, that's when their, their season kind of turned for the worst. All right. Where's this one that I'm going to like? Because so far those are okay. I'm, I'm with you on the fins, but where's the one I'm going to like a lot? So your Seattle Seahawks. Yes. 66 oh, to one. That is a crazy price for a team that made the playoffs, are only getting better. They're probably going to re-up Chino, but I think there's an important piece to all this. They got a lot back for Russell Wilson last year, including a top five pick. So they're going to be drafting, I think, twice in the first 15, 20 picks of the draft this year. They are going to get a skilled playmaker. They have some money to spend. Uh, again, do I think the Seahawks are going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But at 66 to 1, that's a... That's a Jerry Ferrara lottery ticket special yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they trade they could trade up with the two picks. Yep. They could they could trade back. They could do a lot with those picks. And to me, like no disrespect to your Niners, who are still the team to beat in that division, but definitely an unstable quarterback position for right now. I mean, we love yeah. Purdy. We're wait, you know, I, we're waiting on Lance, but I do think the Rams might have a little bit to say. I, I just can't imagine McVay just go like coming back for another year of what we just witnessed. Because yep. I don't think he would be down for that. So, but I don't know. That division is wide open to me still a yeah. little bit. All three of those teams to me have a chance to obviously make the playoffs and make a, make somewhat of a run. The Cardinals have zero shot. They are in <laughs> turmoil with Kyler out for at least what at least probably half the year. Yeah, Kingsbury out. I mean that team Full is as bad as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full rebuild is right. So Seahawks, 66 to 1. I think, again, they do a good job in the draft. They do a good job in free agency. That number goes to 50. That number goes to 40. It probably never goes to 20 to 1. But um, with Pete Carroll and the way he coached that team, a team that was supposed to win, what, four and a half games? Yeah. I think you sprinkle a little on that one. Love it. Love it. Hope they get Gino back too. Get a, a non-exclusive yeah. tag coming up. That's like next week, February 21 is when they can start negotiating that he could become a free agent March 15th if they don't. So that's something to watch too, before you make that bet, I think. Yep, totally. But as far as golf tournaments coming up this weekend, what do you like? So Genesis is this weekend, exciting tournament at Riviera in California. So I'll start with the Cali guy. So Max okay. Homa, he won in 2022. Friend of the program is right. Absolutely. If you haven't seen from a couple seasons ago. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's firing on all cylinders. He's instituted himself as probably a top 15 golfer. Like I said, he won the tournament two years ago. Means a lot to him, especially this is kind of Tiger's tournament. Him growing up, such a huge Tiger fan. He's 20 to 1. That's a great price for a guy who's won only two years ago. And, And I think four out of six of Max's PGA Tour wins actually happened in the state of California. Wow. So something about going home. He loves to win and loves to show up. So Homa 20 to 1, I think, is a great bet. You can also sprinkle some top five, top 10 bets that we have at Betham Gym as well. But I think taking him outright and then playing a little bit of the hedge game as things get closer into the weekend is, is kind of my route. And then I'm going to take three guys here that all looked really good, especially uh, at TPC Scottsdale last week and at the Waste Management. Start with Justin Thomas, 16 to 1, especially on the back half of the round, probably Saturday and Sunday. He was driving the ball as good as anyone, and he is a top five golfer. He has a great short game. I think he's played well at Riviera but in the past. So 16 to 1, again, seems like a fairly aggressive price. I'd have probably looked at him at somewhere around 10 to 1. So again, a value pick there with JT. A little home cooking for me with my guy Keegan Bradley, 60 to 1. 
a guy who was in the top 10 for most of TPC Scottsdale, most of the waste management. First two, three days looked really good. He's always had concerns around his putter and was putting really, really well. So again, a 60 to one flyer, I think makes lots of sense. And then the pick that makes no sense to me, Scotty Scheffler is only 10 to one. This guy Mm -hmm. does nothing but win. And even last week, he looked really bad in his last round on Sunday and still managed to win by a couple strokes. By far the best golfer right now, has been for the last probably eight to 10 months. And I expect him to just continue to pump out top five finishes and he'll be there at the end of this at Riviera. So 10 to one when he probably should be somewhere around five or six to one, I think makes a lot of logical sense. He'll fix some of the kinks that he had where he had a poor round on Sunday and he'll be back firing this weekend. To me, this is like the beginning of golf season. You know, the Super Bowl ends, we get the waste management, Phoenix Open, and now we go right into the California kind of swing, which takes us right into the Masters. So golf season is start. Look, I'm excited because Tiger Woods is playing. I know that just is the best thing for golf that could happen, of course. Yep. But realistically, we haven't seen him play a non-major in uh, two years, three years. So I don't think we could really put any. I think he's like 10,000 to one or something to win, whatever. But BetMGM does have some interesting round one Tiger Woods specials that I want to throw at you guys. I find a few of these really interesting. First one is bogey-free, which is plus 2,200. I think he's going to make a bogey. Let's just say. I think he's going to make a bogey. Eagle or birdie the first hole, minus 225. I'm going to stay away on that. The ones I like a lot. To make an eagle, plus 700. This is still Tiger Woods. We might get a lot of bogeys, but he always kind of bounces back. And then to me, what I mean, four or more birdies plus 120. I think that's a great bet. And then to shoot, and this is again, this is only round one, to shoot 70 or lower plus 140. I think those are some strong. I gotta have a little Tiger Woods action on this on this tournament. I just have to have it. Yeah, totally. I think the last three make a ton of sense to me. You probably show concerns from him if he makes the cut going into Saturday and Sunday when his body starts wearing down a little bit. Right. But first round. He's going to be driving the ball well. He's going to have eagleable holes where he's driving into or you know hitting the green into. So love that. I think the birdie one is my favorite out of all those mm-hmm. because to your point, he's going to pump out birdies. He's going to hit bogeys his bogeys. and birdies. But, bogeys and birdies. But all he needs to do is go two, three under to hit you know sixty nine or better. So that's not a crazy ask, especially early in the round, especially at one of his tournaments. So. Love those first three. Probably like you would stay away from the first two of bogey free and eagling the or birdie or eagling the first hole. Let's. I think historically the first tee box has been some of those ones that have been like, whoa, where did that drive? Later in his career, not early in his career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the first tee box has always been not necessarily a carryover from the range. Pete, you had a great year. I thought all in all, you started off the football season. It was a little rough in places, but you got, you got real hot. And I thought you finished strong all in all. I would say you were a playoff team. I don't think you won the Super Bowl this year, but I think you were a strong playoff team. You might've even gotten out of the first round. First of all, it's a, we, it's not an I, it's a team effort here. (laughs) You guys carried me. We had a couple blips. We had to, uh, Jerry, I always think of this like turning point of the season where I had to put that big chalky. That was like my, we hired Jeff Saturday kind of game and we had the four biggest favorites of the week in a parlay. Yeah. But, but you gotta listen, you gotta hit the bottom sometimes to work your way up. I think I just made that up, but it really did help me to (laughs) just getting that that first one out of the way. 
Then we started hitting one game parlays. We started having plus 10 unit weeks. So big credit to you guys for keeping me, keeping me up there. All right, Pete, it's always a pleasure. It's even more fun in person. So we hope we can do this all again soon. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Take care. All right. So you guys, the big thing is our BetMGM Unleashed YouTube page. If you're not following it, you should subscribe so you can watch all of our interviews, which are really, I think, more fun to watch than listen to. And then make sure that you're seeing all of our shorts because, of course, we're on Instagram and Twitter at BetMGM, but make sure you also check out our YouTube page to see much more content from the show. Jerry, you got anything to add? Yeah, go take a look at the YouTube page. And, you know, just sayonara football. It was a great great season I, i'm gonna miss you every sunday now i'm gonna be at the playground this sunday one <laughs> o'clock probably as the weather gets warmer so uh r.i.p the sundays <laughs> lol he thinks we're done talking about football all right thanks everyone for joining thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay zero. 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l e e s a dot com slash iHeart.